Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Candace Parker is along with us tonight. And moments ago, Kristen Ledlow. Parker, what a look inside. Kristen Ledlow is on our sideline with the terrific Candace Parker. I'm Kristen Ledlow. I'm Candace Parker. And this is Ledlow and Parker. Excited to be back and see you for another week in quarantine. Yes. We've done now as many of these from our homes as we did from the studio this season. It's kind of flown by, but it's kind of not, if that makes sense. Yes, it like does. Like this time... Time doesn't exist anymore. In our home <laughs> in our home bubble. Yeah. Has flown by. But now we're, we're getting more and more things to talk about. It's not just the last dance or... Right. You Remember know, what my dog did. Weeks in a row, we just talked about the, the Chicago Bulls documentary. And now we, it's like we have to preface it with this, as of this recording, is the news. But because things are changing so quickly. Yeah, now the latest is like in the bubble or out of the bubble. Yes. Who's in and who's out. And we will chastise the decisions regardless. Right, fans? And people are going to be passive aggressive and be like, no, 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 we respect your decision. But then talk about everybody that makes a decision one way or another. But anyway, Kristen, okay, I have something that I need to get off my chest. Can I just clarify that this bubble is not like some Independence Day? This is not like we're going to fight aliens. Like this is not a test of like toughness or anything like that. Like we're not, this is not somebody not enlisting in the army or the Navy or the military. They're to cure the virus during the pandemic. Like we're not fighting the fight for the human race, right? Am I? Okay. So the people that are in and out, it is an individual choice. And I know people passively say that, but can we stop acting like they're going to war? It's an individual choice to play basketball or not. Like what, because again, we get so caught up in like the social media vacuum that is sometimes, but very rarely an accurate mirror of reality. But you see all of these fans hidden behind anonymity that just attack any reason not to go, or those who are criticizing those who have said they're going to go, or those who are criticizing others who have decided not to go, but who are going to go themselves and think that the reason not to go is not a good enough reason not to go either. No, I followed you completely on that entire. Yeah, I followed you. I followed you. And also (laughs) it, it goes back to the, to the, to the statement that you're not going to war. I know it is an analogy and a metaphor for the game of basketball, but that is not the case here. So when you're like, what are your teammates going to think about you when you decide not to go to war with them? Like, no, this is a metaphorical war. It is, it ha- it's not a real war. war. <laughs> like we're not, yes. You talk about going to battle with your brothers, but it's not a real battle. <laughs> so, like it's not the Larry O'Brien trophy is not like capture the flag. Like it's Whether not. Whether or not to go play basketball. And there's a lot that goes into any decision to do anything for three and a half months away from your family during a global pandemic. Now, my question to you is how many positive tests are they okay with? Like how many positive tests is the NBA okay with? And that's just a part of the process. And how many will it start to be a concern? Because you think about Malcolm Brogdon just tested positive, was out protesting. They're saying that the surge in Texas, Florida, California doesn't have to do with protests. It's more so the reopening of cities. But you think about all the NBA players and WNBA players that have been on the forefront of protesting, of change, which is all positive. 
completely. But now the tests are positive as well. Now the tests are positive. <laughs> right, yeah. So I'm not saying that there's any correlation between the protests and testing positive. We only laugh to keep from crying, by the way. Yes, exactly. But I am saying that cities are starting to reopen. And with that comes being in contact and restaurants. And in California, you have to wear a mask. I know in Florida, you don't have to wear a mask. So at what point is the NBA weighing their options of what's an okay amount of positive tests? Because you got Jokic. Jokic tested positive. He's in Serbia. It's, that's an interesting way to put it as what, like how many positive tests are too many or who is it that has to test positive that is impactful enough for a decision to be made otherwise, right? Because if it was one positive test that led to we're suspending the season immediately. How many positive tests will lead to, you know what, perhaps the restart isn't what we thought perhaps it could be? Well, if you answer that question for the Women's Soccer League, you would understand Orlando Pride. They had 10 plus players that tested positive for the coronavirus and they pulled out of the cup that they would be playing and participating in in Utah. So with that being said, what is it going to take for an entire team to pull out of a season or like, what is that going to look like? Right. And the Orlando Pride's case, the team doctor saying that it was just logistically impossible for them to go and compete. Again, at what point is it, well, it's logistically impossible now for us to put together a team that can compete at this level of expectation that is there, which is playoff and championship level. Let's just start with as a player, because we can go into all the reasons as a person why to play or why not to play. But what are some of the thoughts that you're having when you're looking at these numbers and looking at others, deciding to play or not to play and knowing that these decisions are looming? I think as an older player that has way more days behind me than I have in front of me to play basketball, I look at it like it's an opportunity to go and play the game I love for sure. But with that comes risks. And I'm not an individual anymore. I do have a child that I have to look out for. But also just in terms of, of trying to balance, you know, the right now. I mean, we've kind of just been in this, like waiting for the next round of news for so many months now. And then to go down there and know that you're going to be there for as long as you are. But then also like you're a part of a team. And so you know, you're making an individual choice, but I enjoy playing alongside my teammates and I know I, you know, I would miss that. So I, I definitely support everybody that is making this choice right now to play in the bubble or to not go or whatever. But at the same time, I, I'm sympathetic towards those that are making this decision because some this is going to weigh heavy on, on them as individuals and some have to go like some players that are trying to make it or try like they, they don't really have a choice because there's so much to consider. There's so much to weigh. And I love that you brought up risks and rewards because that's what it's going to come down to. What is the risk and what's the potential reward? And some of these guys that we're watching decide to not play are playing on teams where the reward is not great enough to outweigh the risk. If the reward here is that I get to play eight regular season games alongside my teammates and then I head back home, that's not great enough to outweigh the risks that you are realistically facing right now. Whereas someone like Avery Bradley, his reward is potentially, as part of a contender, an NBA championship. And yet he's still saying the risk here when it comes to my family and my child who is at greater risk for this coronavirus because of his respiratory illness, it doesn't outweigh the reward. And so the risk and reward is such an interesting conversation because then as others potentially on contenders decide that they're not going to go and play either, perhaps the reward that you were weighing is no longer a realistic reward. Maybe you're no longer a contender because too many of your contending teammates have decided it's not worth it either. And so all of that, again, just a fascinating conversation because the risk and the reward right now has to be weighed individually. But as you mentioned, every individual decision is going to affect not only your team, but the greater picture as well. I believe a GM was quoted off the record as saying that this could be something that people look back in the history books and are like, oh, the bubble, if it works out. But if it doesn't, this could be bad, you know? And I think it's kind of the asterisk 
it's the what if factor. Nailed it. Yes, I I, I nailed that word. Yeah. <laughs> but you think about somebody like a JaVale McGee who has asthma, severe asthma, to the point of, I believe he missed a couple games last year because of it. What if the doctors rule him high risk? Then is the decision out of his hands to go and compete with his team even though he wants to? Or head coaches that are over 60 choosing to go? And I understand that that's their choice, but then NBA as a whole, it's your responsibility to, to, to protect your players and, and those that work for your organization as well as in the WNBA. So I just think that there's a lot of choices that we can look very smart or we can look really dumb. Yeah. Well, you're approaching it from a unique perspective as well, because when we talk about the NBA, you are a media member covering that league. When we talk about the WNBA, you are one of its faces and superstars. So you're weighing it from different different roles. You're wearing different hats when you're looking to make this decision. What are some of the concerns that you have left as a player or perhaps as someone covering the league you're not playing it? What are some of the concerns that you're like, you know what, if this question were answered, I'd be more likely to say I'm all in. We talked about this last week. I think it's kind of reverse, I won't say discrimination, but yeah, I will say discrimination. It would be a non-negotiable for me. And I can only speak as a woman because that's all I've ever been. But as a man in the NBA, to not be able to bring your child with you and not to see them. And in the WNBA, I won't say we're fortunate because it should be that way, that your kids are able to go with you and travel because I've said it before, me and my kid are a package deal. So if you get me without the package, without the plus one, it's probably not going to be as well. It's not going to perform as well. It's no deal. There were just a number of things that came to life. Obviously, the Clippers, I believe, are the ones that are fighting some of the hardest battles for bringing, being able to bring their kids with them and have been the loudest. But there's just been a number of things that aren't going to be answered until it actually happens. And, you know, we're talking about penalties for players that decide to leave the bubble. That's been the big topic within the WNBA. And my thing is, as a team, you're dependent on your teammates to do their job. And I always give this example. If the offensive lineman does not block the correct way, your quarterback, he's creamed and his career could be over on every play. So guess what? The offensive linemen know the play and they know what they're running. As basketball, it's not that case. But now we're entering into one of those things where you're dependent on everybody to do what they're supposed to. So the worker that is in awe of LeBron James and goes home from the bubble and decides to go to the movies or decide like you're dependent on them to not do that. And so I just don't think it's possible for there to be a solid bubble. And I'm just asking at what point are the risks tolerable? At what point are they not? And so those are my questions and they're not going to be answered until we get to the bubble, until we experience the bubble, until it's over. Again, news is changing quickly, and as of this recording, Avery Bradley is the latest to opt out of the season, but all of those decisions are coming in these next couple of days. One of our teammates, though, who has made her decision, Renee Montgomery, not to play this season, is on the phone, and we're going to talk to her next. Renee Montgomery is all over the news this week because she announced that she would not be playing in the condensed 22-game regular season for the WNBA. George Floyd got murdered. I think it woke America up. It woke the world up. Like, you can't ignore it anymore. Like, we need to do something. So I think at that moment is where I kind of knew that something, like, like my heart, like, went out to that. Kristen, I have to tell you, our next guest... She's played for two of my rival teams. I'm not going to hold it against her, but she's played for Connecticut and she's played for Minnesota. She won a couple chips on her head. I didn't even know if you would like welcome her on the show or not. I- That's why when you add like if I was going to do the intro, I was like, really? Like I got to <laughs> say like WBA champion and NCAA champion and all that jazz. But anyway, uh, it's an honor to have Renee Montgomery on the show. Atlanta dream guard, teammate. We've worked together a number of times. So we'll forgive all of that. If you were asking, I forgive you, Candace. <laughs> <laughs> she 
didn't seem like she was apologizing, right? Yeah. I kind of just left a statement and then just kind of like, backed because up. Because we actually what. played together before she went to Tennessee and left me. So there, there's that. People might not know. Yeah, we did play in West. You're right. We played on the same AAU team and then you went to the, you know, other place and I went to Tennessee. So, yep. you know. It's all good. No, but thank you so much for joining us. Wanted to check in, see how you're doing, uh, what these days have looked like in the last couple months. I probably have been having like your normal days. So, you know, in those Turner hallways where I hear your days, it's kind of looked like that lately in a sense of it's been a media circuit that I didn't really expect when I, I pressed in, honestly. I can only imagine. For those who missed the tweet, it was, it was only June 18th, right? So- yeah. Just days ago, and yet it seems like your decision sparked so many others. But she tweeted, after much thought, I've decided to opt out of the 2020 WNBA season. There's work to be done off the court in so many areas in our community. What did it take for you to make a decision like that? It's more than, than sending a tweet. It's weighing the risks and the rewards of, of a big ask in these days. Yeah, I think I kind of knew, you know, even when these negotiations were happening with the WBA, I kind of knew that I probably wouldn't be going in anymore. So I was just curious, like, well, w- what should we do? I want to stay connected outside the bubble. I even t- like have talked now to Terry Jackson about, I don't think it should be like an inside of the bubble, outside of the bubble thing. You know, it started to happen like that with, with the NBA, but I don't think it's about that. I think that like whatever we're doing, we're all trying to do the same thing. So let's just kind of stay connected. I think that would be the best way to go about it. There's been a number of players that have kind of gone back and forth or given reason as to why. There's been players that have cited family, that have cited concern for the coronavirus, that have cited social justice. I know you have been huge in the last few weeks, especially in leading the, leading the charge and leading the change when it comes to social justice. How much did that factor into your decision as well as the coronavirus that is still out there and spiking right now it had a big factor because for that reason i was planning my juneteenth event i was planning all kinds of different things that i wanted to do and people would keep on asking me like are you excited about the season and i would be like yeah about that like you know because i just that wasn't even what i was thinking about and then to the pandemic aspect i had been quarantined for like i don't know eight since the hawks game so since the last hawks game i quarantined and I didn't leave my quarantine until I went to the protest. Like it was that serious to me because people know, some people know I'm pretty germaphobic. So I'm like, (laughs) I'm I'm that one that wears the mask on the plane that brings like everything to the movie theater to cover the seats. Now nobody's laughing at anyone like you. Nobody's laughing. You're a genius now. (laughs) You were Oh, I had, listen, I had mask on deck. My coach, like coach Nikki hit me up. Like, how's my favorite germaphobe? I'm like, y'all need some masks. What's good? Like, what's up, man? Seriously. Candace and I, though, several weeks ago, we decided we wanted to start highlighting not just what was good in these days, but but how others could get involved. Because part of the hopelessness is that, well, I'm inside and I can't not only go anywhere, but do anything about what it is that I'm seeing. And when we saw you outside in Atlanta, just handing out water bottles, such a simple gesture went such a long way. And as we were able to say, like, hey, it's not about doing the biggest thing. It's about doing something. Right. And if you can only give 5 or $6 to Renee's foundation, you know that you're still making an impact. But really, that's the conversation we had. And it gives people the opportunity to make an impact, even if it seems like a small one. What was it that, that triggered that response in you that said, oh, here's a, a very simple need that needs to be filled and, and I can fill it? Well, if we're being honest, I just know I'm not built to stand out there for nine hours. And people were doing, <laughs> I mean, people were doing nine hour shifts for real. Like they're out there, they're yelling, it's Atlanta. It's 80 plus degrees every day. So I'm like, all right, that's not necessarily for me. Like I need to, I need to figure out what's my lane. And then I'm thinking I'm an athlete, water. I know they got to be thirsty. So that's kind of how it happened. But I just, that's why to your point, everybody's way is going to be different. Like some people do different things, like do whatever you do, just stay in your lane. But if everybody's trying to do something, that's what we need. Maya Moore was your teammate in Minnesota. And she has quietly stopped playing. Yeah. But for a loud cause in the terms of just directing all her efforts and energy towards social justice reform and the prison system. What can you say about playing with her? And then also 
after the fact. I mean, she was on this years ago. And then now it seems like the world is kind of catching up to what she's known for a while. Yeah, like she was ahead of her time. I said it, I tweeted it right away. Like she's looking like the smartest person in the room right now. Like, you know, because right now everybody can kind of understand why I'm doing it. Like we saw George Floyd get murdered. We all realized, okay, this has got to stop. But they were doing it. And when I say they, the Colin Kaepernick's too. They kind of saw America how we all are seeing America right now before. So even people are like, wow, you're the, the first one. I'm like, no, there's actually my teammate. I say it all the time to people because they should know. Have you had the opportunity to have any conversations with some of the other players that now are deciding to step away from this season for whatever reason it may be? Yeah, I have. And, and even just in the sense of, look, if you have stuff going on, let us know. And if I have stuff going on, I'll let you know. You know, like that, that's been the whole mentality. It's never been a, because when I keep saying it's never been a us versus them, you see on the internet, they're trying to make it a us versus who's in the bubble, who's out. Players almost are having to state why they're going to play. It, that, that's not, that's not the, what shouldn't be the situation or the tone. The tone should be, all right, let's see what you're doing. I'm hopping in that, you know, like it should be a back and forth. But yeah, we've talked and I hope we do do a lot of big things together. Any reason for turning down two or three months in a bubble during a pandemic should be considered valid, right? People shouldn't even have to tell a reason at this point. I did mine the day before my Juneteenth event because I knew that there was a lot of media from Atlanta coming and I didn't want to talk about the Atlanta dream. Like I knew that I had already made my decision, but again, a lot of times fans think they're entitled to know everything about athletes, but it's really like, no one has to even say why they're playing. I started seeing players like have to say, you know, I'm playing because I love the sport. I'm playing. You're playing because you want to play. Like who cares? It's your choice. But it, it seems like that's because the media is almost making it uh, us versus them. And that's why it's not about that. We're at a time now where a lot of people are stepping up and speaking you know, posting. And I think we have organizations and, and leagues that are getting behind this. But your Minnesota Lynx team was, <laughs> if I can remember correctly, years and years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Ahead of this, but also looked at in a not positive light for bringing light to a situation of police brutality. And at that time, police were saying that they would not be a part of you guys' sporting events because of the stance that you all took. Being a part of the WNBA, being a part of the NBA, there has been a time where it was not okay that, that people got fined. I can remember correctly, Tina Charles being fined for speaking out about social justice. What can you say about the WNBA and the NBA's involvement as a whole? Not the players. I'm talking organization-wise. Yeah, I think they have a lot of making up to do honestly, and they know it. You've seen them say that they're going to try to do better. They want to hear what people want to do at the single site because they want to do that. Because yes, I was on that Minnesota team and it did not get received well at all because people couldn't understand. They thought when we were boycotting and said, well, we weren't even boycotting, but we were saying Black Lives Matter. And you guys wore black shirts. We wore black shirts with a police shield on the shirt. Like A lot of people forget that part. We did that specifically so there wasn't that tension. We did that and still the, the police officers said they were no longer policing our games. A lot of the fans were so upset. They were like, we don't want to have to choose between you guys and America. And we were like, that's not what it's about. Um, even still having said all of that, the Minnesota owner and the Glenn Taylor, Coach Reeve, they like stood strong. Like they, they didn't care. And that's big for when your fans, the police, the city are not behind you. You still stand behind your players. So whatever Coach Reeve says, like she was about that life four years ago even from an organizational standpoint. It's like Candace said, it's not the players. If we were looking at the organization as a whole or the league as a whole, what are some of the changes you'd like to see made? I think but like the conversation is now started, you know? So before it used to be a non-starter. We would be like, we want to wear shirts. And they'd be like, no, it's not league apparel. There should never be any non-starters. Like if that was that was the thing. So I think that players now should have a platform. So there may be create a platform. You know how we have the W kicks? You know, everybody knows that culture is the thing now. Well, what if there's an activism platform now? Like just creating a page. Like, you know, it's not even that it takes a lot of money. So the things that, that leagues can do is give players a voice, give players a platform, and also make sure that they're comfortable when they do speak. Because now you don't want to get on a platform and then we're not allowed to really say anything. We have to abide by certain rules. Give the platform, and obviously, you know, you can't have people being radical, but allow players to speak freely. 
We have a unique platform just because I always say we are the majority of the minority. Our league is the majority of the minority within the world. You think about African-American, we have 80% that are African-American women. You think about socioeconomic background, you think about sexual orientation. We are women. I was about to say, and all women, by the way. Yeah, and <laughs> all women. So during this time, I know the focal point has been on race where it should be. And it has been on police brutality and it has been on improving the implicit bias or recognizing rather the implicit bias. But to you, how much does it affect you when you see somebody going out and speaking about race, but not doing it in a, in a way of protecting women as well? I, I, I struggle at this point in time where there's people that are talking out of both sides of their mouth, like equality for black people, but hold on women or equality yeah. for black people, but hold on if your you know, gender or sexual orientation is different than mine, like, hold on. What can you say to, to people about it being equality for everybody? Yeah, th there's a word, it's inclusiveness. So you can't ask for inclusiveness when it comes to, we want representation, we want black representation and management. You know, we see the Rooney role becoming a thing. You can't ask for inclusiveness in one area and not the others. What we mean by that is people can see that right now, black people need a lot of attention. The black lives need to matter in America. It's like they don't see it yet. So that moment for females hasn't happened because that moment for black lives in America just happened, what, not even a month ago. If we're being honest, a lot of people didn't even understand the term Black Lives Matter till they saw George Floyd get murdered. So that moment for women maybe hasn't happened yet. You know, that moment where people realize, wow, women are really oppressed in America. It hasn't happened yet. I mean, it's real. It, that it's, epiphany, just never. It had, yeah. like, we haven't had our moment for people to be like, you know what? I think a woman could lead this or, I, you know, it just it hasn't happened. So I agree with you. I think that it needs to happen. And maybe us talking about it more will let people know, oh, yeah, women are oppressed. Too. You know what I mean? Because people don't think about it. People didn't think about Black Lives Mattering until they watched one literally get taken away, someone's life get taken away. So I guess we got to start the conversation. How much do you think us all being home and actually paying attention to every bit of it has mattered in these I mean, because how many times have we seen something similar and as you called it it's a non-starter as opposed to right now like this is all there is to look at and you cannot look away oh uh, that's it's called the perfect storm to me because usually we're even in america our attention span is so short the news cycle yeah. is like something happened yesterday and then today what's going on this has been the longest news cycle ever for a reason, there's nothing else to, to take over it. And that's not to say when sports come back that, oh, they're going to take away from it. No, right now is right now. There's nothing else going on. And so, like, that's why I'm sitting out, honestly, because I think that right now, all the businesses, all the companies, they're looking like, we have to do something. What can we do? So <laughs> while everybody wants to do something, we need to, like, get everything in there. Like, yeah, do this, do that, yeah. do this. You know what I'm <laughs> Right. Me, because if we're being honest, it's not going to be like that forever. It's just not like in reality. But right now, a lot of companies are looking at what can we do to help. There's women that cover sports and there's women that there's going to be more and more, especially women, women of color that are covering sports. You obviously have had an extremely long basketball career, successful career. You've won a couple championships, whatever. But um, in that <laughs> case, but I say all that to say, what knowledge have you taken from playing basketball into this new career of sports broadcasting? I would say how to talk to people. You know, in sports, you have to learn how to talk to people under high-pressure situations. You have to get your message across quick, <laughs> and you need to know who you're talking to because this person doesn't like to be yelled at in front of everybody. So you got to bring them to the side and be like, yo, man, you're supposed to cut. You know, so I think sports taught me how to communicate with different people from different cultures. As you know, in the WNBA, we play in the WNBA in the summer. We go overseas. So we've had to communicate with people that don't even speak English sometimes. And so you understand that it's about body language. It's about how you say something. And I think that that is how I use it for broadcasting. I, I learn how to talk to people. I learn how to communicate. Speaking of body language, that was one of the things, the first time that you and I ever worked together, which now was several years ago, I was asked, you know, about you as an analyst. And I said, you know, one of the things that struck me from the jump 
her comfort level on on set. You don't see it often, like because that was it may have been one of your first couple of times. You were my first. Yes, you were my yeah. first one. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and, and, and you were already leaned back in your chair and, and just talking to me, like you and I were just talking and hanging out. And and I was like, that that's a unique thing that I don't feel can be taught. And as I'm looking at you know who you are, what you've done, what you've accomplished, so much of that is because of having played for so long, there is this innate confidence that has been not only born in you, but bred in you. And we're watching young women, especially drop out of sports at twice the rate that young men are. are. How important do you think it is that, that sport become a part of what we see little girls uh, being invested in and leaning into, no matter what career direction they decide to take? Yeah, it, it needs to be an emphasis. And maybe... You know, people might connect with me now because they might feel like I'm fighting their fight for them. But if you, it, this is crazy to me, but when you talk to a lot of girls, even if they're hoopers, some of them don't watch the WNBA. Some of them really don't follow us. Some of them really, like, I'll have teammates and they don't, like, this is somebody that's been in the league five years. I'm like, oh, who's that with you? This is my teammate. Yeah. Like, she's also a starter. Like, you know what I mean? But they're not keeping up with us. So there's a disconnect somewhere. So maybe if they knew that we were fighting for them, maybe if they knew that we were you too, like maybe they don't know these stories behind us and they don't know how to connect with us. They see us as these action figures that play in the WNBA, but maybe this situation of us fighting this cause might connect with the younger generation and the young little girls. It's interesting because I, I feel that people mistake our fight for young girls to play sports that we want them to all grow up and be professional athletes. And honestly, my, my fight, Layla's 11 years old and she's five, seven at the moment. So she's growing yeah. like a weed. So she's taller. She's probably, she, <laughs> probably going to be, you know, forward. I would, I would guess. But with that being said, I go to these tournaments and I watch her interact with her teammates and I watch her develop these life skills and I watch her, be able to get back from a loss or miss a shot and have to run back on defense and all these life skills, whether we would like to admit it or not, like in the boardroom is ran like a sports organization. And that's because it is the men male mentality and whether we want to change it or not, I don't know, but what it is right now is that. So I, I will again, just because of what Kristen said about your confidence and like you coming in, that was built through sport. Yes, and that was built 100%. through other mentors. So who have been your mentors growing up that could do all these things and encourage you to continue to go for your dreams? Yeah, I learned it in-house. Honestly, I was blessed. I have parents. They've been, they're what, married 40 years now. I learned it in-house. My mom's an educator. So you could imagine growing up with a mom that's a college professor, everything was a lesson. Even when we didn't want it to be a lesson, <laughs> everything was a lesson. So she would tell me sometimes, oh, don't, don't sit like that. People will think that you're, you know, like she would just talk to me like, don't, you don't have to talk like everyone else. And, you know, a lot of people were thinking I don't really have an accent, a, a huge accent. Well, that was, that's for a reason. You know, my mom didn't allow us to. My sister's a doctor, if that gives you any idea of how the household went. That's my mission statement from my foundation. It's teaching people the things I learned in sport, teamwork, discipline, you know, confidence. That's the mission statement of my foundation because I think it's that important that we learn these things naturally. Like we literally every year it just happens. You watch Layla do it. But a lot of people have never had these type of interactions, have never had conflict, have never had to figure out a problem with a group of people. That's not easy. With a group of people. Say that again. <laughs> with a group of people. Yeah. Not by yourself. With a group with, of people. Because somebody else is going to think they know the best solution. You're going to think you know the best solution. You have to figure out a compromise. So some people have never done that until they get to the workplace. So imagine, we've done it since we were what? Playing with you. I played with some rock stars. And just so people know, our team was stacked. It was Candace, Alexis Hornbuckle, Tasha Humphreys, all these players, D1, D1, D1. We had to figure it out. We had a, a lot of main James. You know, I had a lot of people I needed to pass the ball to, but that's yeah. what sports does. It helps you figure that out. And you can always tell the people that did not take, play team sports. Like you can always go into a room and you're like, you know what? You probably didn't have team sports. They took their you? ball home and they were mad. They took the ball home. Like you did tennis. Yeah. They took the ball home. They kicked yeah. it over the fence or Don't be something that like guy. that. Yeah. Renee, before we let you go, Candace and I have kind of journeyed through these conversations together, starting from feeling like, you know, at a loss for words, and then there's hopelessness, and then there's a lot of questions that we're asking. And what we're trying to do is come around to a place of not only helping to provide some sort of answers, but when we don't have the answers, at least provide hope. 
So what is it that in these days is giving you hope? I would say something that's given me hope personally is that, you know, for a while there, women's basketball just, it didn't matter what the person was doing. There's going to be people that say, get in the kitchen. Like, it didn't matter what they would, you know what I mean? It was just like this automatic trigger. They were like, it could be like, she won the Nobel Peace Prize. Yeah, but get in the kitchen. You know, like people, that was the tone. So I think if nothing else, people are starting to like, even on on, on posts that other if people are posting, it's starting to be about, okay, let's, let's let that go. That's corny. That's old now. So I would say if nothing else happened, that people are starting to realize like, let's stop fighting stupid fights when there's bigger problems. Like this is the dumbest fight ever. Let's stop. Let's knock it off. And the second thing is that there is hope. Black Lives Matter. It used to be only black people fighting for that. I mean, like now we have, look, you, Kristen, I mean, you've reached out to me on your own personally. We have a lot of white advocates for Black Lives Matter. The Amish people entered the chat for Black Lives Matter. That's wild <laughs> to me. I'm trying to say, you know, there were marches all over the globe for Black Lives Matter. That's new. That's huge. And if you don't need any hope, turn on the TV. Like, that's crazy. Renee, you are the best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All of you guys out there, please support the Renee Montgomery Foundation. Yeah. You're doing amazing things within the community. It is an honor for me to be your teammate now, Turner, but also, you know, just to be your past teammate, opponent, all that, but we're all in the same fight. I appreciate you today. Thank you so much for joining Kristen you and do. myself. We love you. We love you. If you need Hi, I love you guys thank too. You. Listen, thank you for having me. Y'all are dope. honor to welcome in primarily because I've never told you this but it's because you hadn't been playing for them before I actually have a cat named magic oh yeah she does yeah uh, yes so now I have become an even bigger fan of yours Michael Carter Williams welcome to the show <laughs> thank you for taking the time how have you been in these days it's been a long stretch since we've seen you uh, I've been good you know I've uh, just been working out a ton spending time with my daughter and um, you know just trying to make the best of quarantine really so being down in Florida, you are in Orlando, you are in the state where the NBA hopefully is going to resume their season. Um, what can you say about being in the state of Florida? Obviously, recently we've heard that there's kind of been a surge in cases. What is the feeling down there? And what are you feeling being back in the gym individually? You know, kind of mixed feelings about it, right? Like, you know, we're kind of away from the world of like, there's like, what, 5,000 new cases yesterday or something, like the most in Florida or, or any other day, you know, with the cases and stuff. But, you know, it, it's weird because, like, I think people, when they hear that, you know, they're taking the curfew off, you know, they, they start to get relaxed a little bit. People start to, you know, think like, all right, we're back to normal. They go out and then, you know, obviously the, it goes up. You know, there's more testing now, so there's going to be more cases. But I just try to, you know, kind of stay in the same routine I've been in, you know, going to the gyms has been great. You know, we get to work out one-on-one -on -one with the coaches and stuff. You know, it's been a blessing to get back in there and get lifts in and, you know, shoot during quarantine. I didn't go to the, go to the gym at all. So, so yeah, that's, that's been nice. Is that the longest stretch you've ever gone like, without being able to play without being able to, I would imagine since you were a kid, right? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, even through injuries, like, you know, you're at the gym, you're dribbling the ball, at least you're shooting some free throws or something. So yeah, it's been, it's been, yeah, it's probably, since yeah, I can remember since I was a kid, yeah. With the restart coming with the NBA, you know, we look at different teams that were kind of on a hot streak when March ended. And you look at teams like the Magic that were starting to, to kind of hit their rhythm, hit your rhythm as a team individually. What can you say about this? Like, what advantage do, is it for a team that may be getting all the right pieces back and then be able to kind of halt the top teams like the Lakers and you think of Milwaukee, you think of the Clippers that we're coming to, like what advantage is that for a team that is just trying to make noise in the playoffs? Yeah. You know, I think it's a big advantage, you know, for teams that are clearly, you know, you know, they got the, the number one seeds for, you know, Milwaukee, the Lakers, you know, the teams that they're playing against coming in the playoffs, you know, only playing, you know, seven, eight games right away is, you know, is big, you know, you want to get those teams early. You know, I think it's a, it's a big advantage for those, you know, six, seven, eight, you know, seeds, 
you know, going in, especially teams that were hot, you know, like us, like we were winning three in a row. We had the easiest schedule in the, in the league coming up. So, um, which is disappointing that we had to, you know, <laughs> get out right there. But I think it is a, is a big advantage, you know, teams that are like Milwaukee and LA, you know, if they're rolling, if they're coming off of, you know, six, seven, eight wins in a row, you know, going in the playoffs, everybody's in rhythm. It's like, all right, your, you know, your chances to win aren't as big as, you know, if who knows what happens in the bubble, they go four and four, things start to get a little janky, and then you catch them in the playoffs. Well, and so much of what we're seeing now is that even some of those guys on some of those contending teams are still having to make the decision as to, yes, I'm going to go play in this bubble for however many months, or no, I'm not going to for any number of reasons. Have you had conversations with teammates, with guys you play against who are having to, to make that difficult decision now? You know, not so much my teammates because, you know, everybody seems like so far they're going to play. But, yeah, you know, I've heard guys, you know, say that, you know, they're on the fence about it. They don't know, you know, if they want to play or not for, for many different reasons. I don't blame them. You know, right now is a funny time, you know, and you don't know what each individual has going on with kids and health issues with their families. You know, you don't know. You just don't know. So you can't really put a judgment on it. It is weird, though, that people are deciding to play and to not to play. Sure. Uh, it's weird because I say this on the media side, but I'm still a player, so it's weird. But, you know, the media always is going to have a story about regardless of whether somebody plays or doesn't play. For sure. And, you know, everybody is going into this saying, no judgment, no judgment. But there's been certain judgments that have occurred. Sure. Definitely. So, yeah, there's been a, a little bit of judgment. But in terms of what it is that what that is keeping you and 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 allowing you to have a clear mind going into the bubble despite the risks what is that that helped you make that decision you know we've had i've been i've been in the gym here we've had multiple tests you know for all of mine have been negative you know i haven't had you know i haven't had any symptoms or anything like that and um you know kind of what's best for my family is and me is to go play you know and, and i know it's hard and some people disagree, but, you know, for me, it's, you know, if we're getting tested down there, we're doing all the things to try to keep us safe. And, you know, some of the, the rules and regulations in the bubble, I do disagree with. Like, we can't see our family for six weeks. That's not easy. You know, that's not an easy thing to be like, all right, let's go. So, but, you know, once I decided, you know, that I'm going to gonna go to play you know I, now I'm looking at like okay I can't just go in there and be like I'm pissed about playing you know I gotta be you know all the way in I can't be one foot in one foot out so you know once I, as soon as I made up my mind I was like okay uh, what can I do to prepare myself to be safe to play the best I can and you know once the season's over you know get out of there and, and do the necessary things to make sure my family's safe well, yeah, that's because that's not allowed anyway. You can't have one foot in and one foot out of the bubble. It's exactly. Pretty, you got to put all exactly. your feet in Protocol. to the bubble. And, exactly. no, and you can't play double <laughs> ping pong. No. But anyway, keep going. Right. <laughs> if, though, you're saying that most of your Magic teammates have decided that they're going to play, that you all are going to be together, how then would you all define a successful run for the remainder of this season? Um, and that's what, and, and, and kind of the same mentality I have myself, you know, I kind of preach to my team, like, you know, if we're going to do this, then let's go do this. You know, let's yeah. not worry. Like, let's not worry about, well, this is unfair. This is unfair. Cause it is like, I can't see my family for six weeks. Like that's unfair. You know, like no matter what way you put it, you know, the workers are coming into Orlando, they get to come and go. Like it is what it is at this point. And if we're going to go in there, we might as well try to win it. You know, like we can't change anything about it. So we might as well go in there and be the best we can be. You just made Kristen smile ear to ear to try to win it because you don't understand magic fan. It could be our it could be our championship season. We can you don't do know, it. Candace. You don't know. <laughs> I love it. It's so funny that you told me that you're named your cat magic. I told yeah. my sister to she had she got two baby cats. I told her to name them Magic and Larry, but she went with something else. But Magic and Larry. I love yeah. it. That's very cute too. So let me ask you this. Going to the bubble, you don't really know what it's going to be like until you get there. What are the things that you're going to bring along? What are your hobbies that you plan on doing inside the bubble? Because basically we've been quarantined in a bubble for some months anyway. So if there's any hobbies that you're going to do on the way down there. Do you guys as a team have any plans for anything that you have in the making? Because now is the time definitely to do it. Right. I mean, I, I know a bunch of people have talked about golfing. I know a lot of us, once we heard there's going to be golf, some people even, I, I just like started to get into it. I've taken like four or five lessons. So I'm, I'm ready to, you know, we get to go to the golf course. At least we'll be outside. You can, 
you know, hopefully we can you know play with four or five people. So, I mean, that's one thing I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to. Um, I don't know the rules around who you can golf with. We can't play doubles and ping pong, I guess. Like, no I don't sharing know. golf carts. Yeah, no sharing golf carts, maybe. Listen, I have to get to the nitty gritty. Your daughter. You are yeah. so active on Instagram talking about your daughter. If I remember, her name's Charlie, correct? Yeah, her name's Charlie. And beautiful daughter. You are, in fact, a girl dad and a very proud girl dad. The first time I met you, that was like what you said about your daughter. And she, I believe she was at the workout and come in. So you're very hands-on involved, dad. What has that been like the first couple years of, of being into this? Uh, definitely life-changing. You know, she, you know, she brings the best out of me. She's taught me so much at like in such a little time, she'll be two in, uh, in July Been unreal. Like I never, I couldn't even describe how it was going to be before, you know, she was born. So, you know, just learning new things, having responsibility for, you know, another little human being is, is, is awesome. So yeah, you know, it's, it's great. You know, I can't get enough of her. She's uh she's hilarious in herself and just to watch her grow in such short amount of time is unreal. Like I can't believe the strides that they take physically, mentally, you know, she can put two, three words together right now. So it's like, it's, it's really, it's funny. Oh, just wait till four five, six words right. start. And then they never, <laughs> yeah. they never yeah. stop. Just FYI. Yeah. last night, actually, <laughs> last night was the first time she like really yelled at me. Like she was like, I wouldn't oh. let her go upstairs on the deck. I have the little, you know, thing to on the stairs and she was trying to get it open and she just gave out like a, a mean yell. Ah, ah, like she, and it's hilarious. It's yeah, hilarious. Like you yeah. find yourself wanting to yeah. laugh. No, for <laughs> sure. I was like, who are you yelling at? <laughs> Were there any other girl dads that you reached out to or that have invested in your life, not just as a player, but as a person, as a father? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Like I never knew there was like you know, I talked to guys here and there about, you know, things outside of basketball, but like, you know, Giannis has a kid now. He would ask me, you know, questions about, you know, being a dad. Um, there's, a few, there's a few guys in the NBA that are about to have kids that, you know, that ask me, you know, about it. And it's so, I even find it weird. It's like, wow, like you're asking me how to. Yeah. I'm, barely, I'm like brand new at this. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I barely even know what I'm doing, but no, it's, it's definitely it definitely brings out, you know, different things in people once, you know, your, your girl or wife, whatever so gets cool. pregnant. Yeah. So special. Well, we are so looking forward to watching you play. I, we say this, I think to all of our guests, like we'll be rooting for you, but no, like I will literally be rooting for you. And me too. Cause my, yeah. <laughs> my brother is with, you know, with the Orlando right. magic. So of course I'm definitely rooting for them. So we will actually be rooting for you. Thank you so much for taking Thank the time you. to join us before. Thank you guys. Again. I appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you. Good luck. Stay safe and healthy. All right. We'll see you soon. What's good. What's good. <laughs> What's good. So we've been finishing our show with what's good, with what has made us smile, what has made us laugh, some way that we can perhaps get involved to help inject some hope into these days. The best thing that I saw all week long, you're laughing because I think you know where I'm probably going with this because I texted you immediately. It was, and in case you missed it, go back to look at it. It was Candace Parker weekend on the Los Angeles Sparks social media. It was all about Candace all weekend long. It just highlights from her career. At my very favorite one, which again, I sent her immediately. Uh, this is a video of you blocking a child at a summer camp. I mean, just sending the ball, soaring into the stands and crushing every dream she had to become a basketball player. But to be fair, those are lessons that she needs to learn early on. And when I tell you she came back into the layup line, she got a layup on me. So that was the, that was the teaching process. It was, that was the lesson. It was like, when you get blocked, you come back even harder and smarter and better and all that. So guys, it wasn't just about the block. It was about the lesson. I loved getting a chance all weekend long to just see so many uh, highlights of you as a player and a person. Uh, so if you missed it, uh, LA Sparks on Twitter posted all the CP3 highlights you could have ever hoped for this weekend. Kristen, we're on the same page with like the give and go 
on the court right now as teammates because, you know, I, I think I said hashtag CP loves the kids as I blocked the child. And again, they don't have to love you back. <laughs> exactly. Uh, this is a seamless transition into uh, yesterday. I participated in the Women's Sports Foundation. It was the Title IX at 48 years. And it was basically shining a light on girls and their participation in sport. I was able to be on a panel with LaChina Robinson and, and Don Staley. And we just basically talked about our journey as African-Americans within sport and how much basketball has given us and how many doors that are still left to, to be open. And so with that blocking of a child. <laughs> <laughs> so again, the flawless transition. Yes, flawless yes. transition. I would hope that that would propel young girls into sport and understanding how important it is for us to continue to participate, not only for basketball or the sport or to win or to be in, but to be in boardrooms. Because we talked about this a long time ago on one of our episodes that there is an 80% rate of women, female CEOs of Fortune 500 companies that played team sports in their lives. So it's so important for young girls and women to do that. I just wanted to bring a couple percentages to awareness that 42% of our schools in the United States are either 90% white or 90% people of color. Wow. 42%. And I didn't know that. That was something that I brought... Didn't know that either. I didn't know that. And so for that, that is in a way, segregation in a way. And yeah. so just trying to be able to, to change that so that this can help everybody from all demographics. And then another thing, Black women represent 2% of all athletic directors and 2% of all head coaches within Division I basketball. So I just feel like this is something that we need to bring awareness to. Wow. And with that being said, I would say, speaking from a league that is 80% African-American, we have to help them understand the importance of hiring African-American women. But within the WNBA, we have four of 12 women coaches in the league, zero yeah. of which are women of color. So we have a lot of work to do within our own organization before we can even challenge others to do that. So I, um, I learned a lot through the panel yesterday, I would say. One of my favorite things that you said as part of the panel, when you were talking about women having a seat in these decision-making rooms. He said, men, I'm not asking you to get up. I'm asking you to move over. And you have such an incredible way of speaking truth with such grace, of allowing space for conversation, but also like, this is the truth here. And yet speaking it boldly and graciously is a rare gift. And you certainly possess it. That though was, was probably my favorite thing that you said. Thank you, Kristen. And it is really a privilege and an honor for me to, to be able to do this and create this with you week after week. No, honestly, it is. And it's been a journey this year. We all talk about how there's been many, many obstacles this season. And it's been amazing to, to, to be able to talk about it and to be real about it with, with you and with all the listeners that listen to, to Ludlow and Parker. 